is White Sox Weekly, your two-hour all-access pass to everything White Sox. Drive in the air! Deep to right! It is gone! This is a presentation of the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Now here's your host, Connor McKnight. Connor is off from White Sox Weekly. He has the play-by-play of the game tonight between the White Sox and the Tampa Bay Rays. My name is Jesse Rogers. With you on this gloomy, rainy Saturday afternoon, a pretty good metaphor for the White Sox first month of the 2023 season. I'll be with you for the next couple hours and then also with the pre- and post-game show. Connor and DJ will be along at about 6 o'clock for the call of tonight's game. Game 3, the White Sox and the Rays. And as you all well know, the White Sox are trying to break a nine-game losing streak. They will, in fact, finish the month of April without a series victory. Even if they win the next two, the best they can do is split the four games against the Rays. So at 0-2 so far in the first uh, couple games here, they cannot win the series, which means they will be winless series-wise for the month of April. The skies are actually clearing. So maybe that's the metaphor for tonight. Because I actually think, let's start on a positive note, if I can. I actually think they have a really good shot at winning tonight. First of all, the Rays are starting an opener again. They did this last week, Calvin Fauché. So that, of course, throws things out of whack. All you need is one reliever to have a bad day after the opener, or maybe the opener have a bad day, and maybe the Sox can put up some runs. But the way I look at it, and I've been around the game a long time, the way I look at it, to start on a positive note, Wednesday and Thursday, this team really bottomed out in Toronto and then back here against the Rays. And then last night, they finally played a solid game after a first-inning miscue. Could have gone either way. Giolito was fantastic. Um, they did <laughs> they did the best they could in sort of climbing back up that mountain. You, you bottom out Wednesday and Thursday. You start to climb back up and... You almost win. You didn't, but you almost won. And I think like maybe today is the day you get over the hump. Just trying to start on a positive note here with White, so- White Sox Weekly. We have plenty of time for your phone calls, your anger, your disappointment at 312-332-3776. Let me set the scene here. As I said, the skies are clearing a little bit. I'm in the broadcast booth just next door to Connor and DJ. They're getting their pregame notes together. Pedro Grafal just held court in the White Sox dugout, talking to reporters. We'll talk to one of those reporters later in the show. Mark Gonzalez, longtime uh, baseball reporter based in Chicago here, now working for the Sun-Times this weekend. So Mark was down there, and I saw him in the locker room a, a few minutes ago as well. So we'll talk to him in about an hour, get his take on what the hell has gone wrong with this team in the first month and uh, what Pedro had to say pregame today. We will talk to Elvis Andrews very soon, White Sox veteran and one of the leaders. We will talk to him in just a few minutes. Looking forward to that. Uh, I'm not sure anybody has any answers, but if anybody does, it would be a guy like Elvis Andrews who has seen it all and very well spoken. I don't think he's going to um, put on the rosy glasses and you know speak highly of what's gone on here. Who can at this point? You have to call what it is, right? It's just bad baseball right now for the Chicago White Sox, and everybody from the owner on down, I think, would admit that. And certainly Rick Hahn said that on on Thursday when he spoke to reporters, and Pedro Grafal has said it in his own way throughout this losing streak and throughout this month. So, again, Elvis Andrews shortly, um, and then 
about an hour from now, it'll be Mark Gonzalez. And in about 90 minutes from now, at about 5 o'clock, my buddy, my pal, my colleague, Jeff Passan, will pull back and look at the game from a national perspective, maybe talk a little bit more about the Rays, who are off to this incredible, incredible start. Um, I have some random questions for him. Maybe you do as well. We'll keep the phone lines open throughout the next couple hours. It is White Sox Weekly, 312-332-3776. You can hear the show uh, every Saturday for two hours during the season. It's usually two hours um, pre, you know, right before the game starts, in this case two hours before pregame, which is at 5.30, and I'll have that as well as postgame for you as Connor has play-by-play duty. So 312-332-3776 is the number. And uh, I think I, I could. I, I I often use this phrase "sound off," you know, just for any time I'm on the air. But this truly is a time you can sound off about the White Sox. Voice your displeasure. Maybe try to find a silver lining. I don't know if that's possible during a nine-game win streak and a, a month where the the team has gone seven and twenty. But this is your chance to sound off. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. Kind of like uh, that caller, Berto did earlier in the week with Sylvian Waddle. He went viral. I don't know if you heard him, but Berto did about six or seven minutes straight on the White Sox, and uh, the Athletic wrote about him, and we've replayed it. So if you want to sound off like Berto did, in fact, Berto, if you're out there, feel free to sound off. They've lost a couple more games since you called in. We'll take all calls here on White Sox Weekly here on ESPN 1000. 312-332-3776 is the number. Let me start with my own take on a couple things. Um, and again, I'm going to try to host the show without emotion. Like, you're allowed to be emotional as a fan. I'm going to, as, as the host here, I'm going to try to not be as emotional. I'm a fan. I'm a sports reporter. I'm a baseball reporter. Um, so it's hard not to be emotional when you see such bad baseball. But I'm going to let you be emotional about things. And I'm just going to try to pull back and just, you know, speak, speak about the game without uh, going crazy emotionally. I'll let you guys do that. Again, at 312-332-3776, you can tweet me at Jesse Rogers ESPN. So first couple of things I want to say are watching this team right now, right now, reminds me of something ex-Rays manager Joe Madden used to say. He used to say this often. It is hard to win a baseball game. Now that seems kind of obvious and cliche, Right, It's hard to win a baseball game. Well, it's equally hard for the opponent to win a baseball game, isn't it? Right, It's hard for both teams. So I kind of always passed it off as something he would say. It's hard to win a baseball game. Until I talked to him about it and thought about it a little bit more. Because what he was really saying is the converse. The converse. It's easy to lose a baseball game. That made sense to me. And what we're seeing with the White Sox is ways... That ways they've lost the game are really easy. A first inning sacrifice fly to short right center yesterday because there was miscommunication. It's a one run loss. That one run makes a difference. They lose the game. It it could take one lapse. It could take one inning. We've seen that last start for Giolito gave up like four runs in one inning, but went seven. And this is how you lose nine in a row and twenty of your first twenty seven is when you just find ways to lose. And it doesn't have to be nine innings of bad baseball, although we've seen some full games where they've played poorly. Wednesday and Thursday would be a, would be a couple of them. But this is how you end up with the month you have. You, you find easy ways to lose a game. One lapse here or there. We've seen that out of Lance Lynn. A bad inning, and then he recovers. A bad defensive inning. You don't need nine bad defensive innings. 
just need one, maybe two. So we've seen lapses, whether it's one or two or whatever it is in the game, that have really snowballed this losing streak to what it is. It's easy to lose a game, which conversely means it's hard to win a game. You need a lot of things to go right to win a game. That's why it's hard. You don't need many things to go wrong to lose a game. And in this case, nine in a row in 20 of your first 27. So that's neither here nor there. I just It just made me think of the White Sox when I thought of that phrase. It's hard to win a game, but it's certainly easy to lose one. And they have easily lost a lot of these games. Last night was probably one of the best in the stretch. I thought Giolito was on his game, working upstairs, working his changeup. But this race team is tough. And Graveman gave up the one big hit late, and they lose. But after the first inning miscue, they played well. Giolito pitched well. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything other than maybe you can build off of it. I do believe in that. You can bottom out and then build off a loss. They bottomed out Wednesday and Thursday, in my opinion. Hopefully they can build off of the loss. Here's the other thing that is neither here nor there. I'm not making any excuses. I'm just just talking baseball with you here. Here's the other thing that is just amazing to me, especially for a non-rebuilding team. Like there's not eight prospects out there just you know losing a hundred games like the, the Oakland A's or whatever. Um, this is obviously a veteran team for the most part. They're not even other than Oscar Colas. They're not really you know throwing guys out there uh, other than filling guys like Romy Gonzalez. But when the team is healthy, it's, it's mostly a veteran team. You know, Gonzalez is young, Jake Berger's young. But in, we know what this team is. They were supposed to contend. It is so rare. It is so rare, especially in April, to be honest, because you're, you're, playing, you're playing opponents that, aren't, that shouldn't be firing in all cylinders. Now, the Rays happen to be. But usually in April, teams are not firing in all cylinders. But in the same respect... It's rare to, to not be firing on any cylinders in April or any time during the season to have a veteran team really have zero phases of their game clicking in any manner. It's kind of hard to do that, to not have any starting pitching for the most part, to not have any bullpen for the most part, to not have enough offense for the most part, to have a terrible defense for the most part. Now, there are moments where there's good starting pitching like last night, but in general, for the first month of this season, they've had I, – I, I consider there's four phases of the game because I, I consider starting pitching and relief pitching two different ones. So to have offense, defense, starting pitching, and relief pitching, bullpen, go, you, to go 0 for 4 for an entire month, that's hard to do. That's hard to do, but that is the case here. That is the case here. They rank 28th in OPS, 29th in ERA, and – Depending on what defensive metric you like, they're down near the bottom of of the rankings. Here's one, even if you didn't even know what it means. Defenses, defensive runs saved above average per 1,200 innings. Forget about what that means. Just look at the number. Milwaukee is best at plus 10. The worst team besides the White Sox goes down to minus 3. The White Sox are at minus 7 for that defensive metric. Run saved above average per 1,200 innings. You don't even have to know what that means. Just the number, minus 7. Next worst is minus 3. Best is plus 10. And all sorts of other defensive metrics, especially in the infield, point to the White Sox playing bad defense, especially in the infield. Second, short, and third. Defensive runs saved. They're at a minus all over the place. It's just kind of rare and amazing not to have any portion of your game clicking at all. But this is why you lose nine in a row and 20 of your first 27. Now, as far as the bigger picture, 
And Rick Kahn said this the other day, and we'll play some of Rick Kahn. I understand the team isn't going to dig into where this all started because they're just trying to dig, it, dig out of this moment in time right now. But for the rest of us, we can pull back. And we could, we could probably say this isn't just one month. This is now one month plus six months plus a couple months in the second half of 21, including the postseason where they went out pretty meekly. Right? So this is now the second half of 21, basically an entire season of 22, even though 22 wasn't this bad. And now the first month of 23, something isn't working here. This is across two different managers, one a Hall of Fame veteran, one a first-year sort of, you know, if you want to say it, more, more modern, in touch, whatever it is. It's two completely different kind of managers, and they've underachieved. And they're underachieving even more under Pedro Grafal through almost a month of the season. What the heck has gone on here? What has gone on here? Not just this month, but going back to that all-star break of 21. People said at a time, maybe they weren't that good because the division was so bad. We have to examine all those things. One stat I throw out there often on these airwaves when I report on the team is this, this record they have without Tim Anderson in the starting lineup compared to when he starts. And I know it's not completely scientific. I get it. But I've never seen something so dramatic. And it's not as dramatic without Eloy, without Luis, without Yoan. But they are 150 and 112 when Tim Anderson starts a game for the White Sox since 2020. 150 and 112 when he starts. They are now 66 and 83 when he doesn't start a baseball game for the White Sox. Whatever the meaning is, that's just insane. I don't know if you can sort of pick it apart other than to say, yeah, he's valuable. We know that he's a good player. But other than Byron Buxton, I couldn't find a player in the league where the team's fortunes were so different when he started compared to when he didn't. So I guess that means, T.A., get back as soon as you can. I know he started a rehab stint, which is great. Get back as soon as you can. Think about if you at all believe this team can turn it around. Think about the idea of Tim Anderson returning and Liam Hendricks returning the both emotional and just pure baseball boost this team will get if they can at all turn it around. I mean, for all we know, it's too late. I mean, there is a saying in baseball, you can't win the pennant in April, but you can certainly lose it. And that could be the case here, except for the fact that we know the AL Central isn't going to probably have a 100-win team necessarily. So there's always that opening in this division to get back in it. But think about the emotional boost and the just baseball boost this team will get when Tim Anderson and Liam Hendricks returns. Having said that, no excuse. No excuse. There's plenty of injuries around the league. Plenty of injuries, including this Rays team. So that's my take on everything. There's a lot of time to, to dissect all this. 312-332-3776, the number if you want to jump on. Let's go to Sam and Elgin, first up on White Sox Weekly. Oh, we just lost Sam, so why don't we take our first break. Uh, we were running up against the clock anyway. I wanted to slide one call in just to get someone on besides me. Let you sound off here. 312-332-3776 if you want to jump on. Break down anything I had to say. The idea that they have found easy ways to lose a game. The fact that it's kind of rare to have no phases of your game going in, in any positive direction. And from the bigger picture, picture what, what has gone on here? 
No one predicted this bad. No one. Not media, not fans. No one predicted it. What has gone on here, and how far back can we go to figure this thing out? 312-332-3776. I'll go through some of the numbers. As ugly as they are, we'll talk to Elvis Andrews shortly. Mark Gonzalez from the Sun-Times will join us. And Jeff Passan later in the show as well. Jesse Rogers filling in for Connor McKnight right here on White Sox Weekly, right here on ESPN 1000. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly. Jesse Rogers sitting in for Connor McKnight. He'll have the play-by-play of tonight's game in a couple hours. Sox fans, join us for Miller Lite Baseball and Brews starting at only $19. This offer includes one ticket and two beers to, to new and expanded seating locations across the ballpark. Must be 21 and over with a valid ID to purchase tickets. Visit whitesox.com slash brews. All right. We're here till 530 and then I'll have the pregame show for you as well. White Sox and Rays. I'll get to lineups and all that stuff in a bit. Lance Lynn facing Calvin Fauche. So here's the Rays starting an opener. Perhaps the White Sox can jump on him, but we'll get to that in a bit. 312-332-3776, the number. If you want to call in, you could tweet me at Jesse Rogers ESPN, but I prefer the, I prefer the call-ins. I prefer the call-ins. I would like to uh, talk to people and get your, get your take on what the hell has gone wrong here. Let's start with Danny in Uptown. You're on ESPN 1000. Danny, what's up? Hey, Jesse. Um, so it's, I know it's only April, but... The way this White Sox season is going, competing with the A's for maybe the top one of the top spots in the draft, um, is it too early to say that you have to start looking at like a full rebuild? Is there anything to salvage from this team going forward in future seasons? Um, like, who would be those pieces that you would build around moving forward, or is it just uh, back to square one after this? Yeah, I mean, if this continues, Danny, it, it, they are caught in a tough spot. I mean, obviously. You don't waste the opportunity to add to your prospect base when there are pending free agents in a lost season. So right off the bat, you have to think about trading the G leaders of the world and on down. Some of the guys have options in their contracts, so you have to sort of figure all that out as well before the the All Star break. Or, I'm sorry, before the trade deadline. So first and foremost is is those free agents you you absolutely consider to be moved unless you're signing them back up before the trade deadline. But after that, the Luis Roberts of the world, the Eloy Jimenez's, the Yohan Makaz, the guys that are under contract, that's the tough call. I imagine, if well, first of all, if, if it's the same front office, they're not going to sell off and, and start over. They're not. They're going to try to change the dynamic by, by making those July trades and, and doing whatever they have to do in the offseason. You keep the guys that are under contract. But I also imagine it won't be the same front office. It's just that's how even Hans said this the other day. This is how professional sports work. They had their chance at a rebuild, and it's not like their first three or four years in the organization. If the rebuild doesn't work in their 20th year in the organization, Danny, I think that a new front office might have a new take, and that could be trading as many people as possible. Does that make sense, Danny? Yeah, yeah. And then so like with the Alloys and Luis Roberts where they were very, you know, hyped out of, you know, their drafting and coming out of the trade, the Cubs, like how long do you give them runaway? How long does the new front office whenever they you're, do the year or end of the year? Danny, you're stuck. Yeah. You're stuck because if they continue to play poorly, you're getting nothing 
for them. You're getting 50 cents on the dollar. Your, your hope is that they just kind of find their, their footing and, and have that career year you've been waiting for. Um, or, or the only way you're going to do the 50 cents on the dollar is, again, if in June there's a new front office and that new front office says, okay, we're new, we're starting this thing over, we're going to trade G. Lito for max whatever we can get, we're going to trade those other guys for whatever we can get, whether they're under contract or free agents, and we're starting over. That's what a new front office would do. I, 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 think, it, I think if it's the same front office, they're going to just retool with the guys that are under contract. Because I just don't think they can rebuild. The fans will not um, accept the same front office rebuilding. Danny, thanks for the call. That that's my that's my take. If there's a new front office in play, and I'm not saying there will be. I'm just saying this is how the world works, right? If there's a new front office, they get to do the sort of rebuild. If it's the same front office, I don't think they get to do a, a full on rebuild. Let's go to Mike and Glen Ellen. You're on ESPN 1000 and White Sox Radio Network. Mike, what's up? Hi, Jesse. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I'm glad to, to hear that the previous caller was uh, addressing the front office. I think uh, in, uh, if I read something in MLB.com a couple of days ago, um, uh, Rick Hahn more or less is shouldering the blame for this. And I think, uh, truthfully, I think uh, Rick has been around long enough. He, he's had an opportunity to rebuild this team. Right now it's not working at all. And I think uh, – uh, I don't know if the old guard will will uh, give way to new some new um, uh, personnel, but you know what? Uh, I think Rick Hahn needs to go. Uh, that that would be a start a starting point. And instead of uh, uh, spending uh, money on free agents such as Yasmani Grandal, who is a decent hitter, but I contend that if if you if the Panda would try to steal second base on a pitch, how do you probably steal second base on this guy? So, uh, but uh, I think it, during the off season, why not go um, look at winning organizations such as Houston, such as Tampa Bay, and go get some of their front office personnel, or, or try to get their front office personnel, get some people who know what they're doing in player pers- player development and scouting, and go that route. My goodness, this is just. Um, this is this is frustrating. I don't even I don't even want to go to a game this year. I really don't. Thanks for the call, Mike. I understand your frustration. Look, I I don't disagree with you. I think there's probably 28 teams, or even even include Houston, that should be hiring anybody from Tampa Bay they possibly can. I'd hire the security guy that is outside the race clubhouse, and and it, you know at this point you want anybody that works with the Rays if you can get them. The assistant to the assistant to the assistant. I, 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 you know, anybody um, in that organization, Houston as well. These are these are pretty damn good. But I put Tampa Bay probably at the top because Tampa doesn't have the payroll that Houston does, and 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 they continue to win. So I'm, I'm with you on that. I think a lot of organizations would like to know how Tampa Bay is doing it. Um, and I don't think it's controversial at all to say if this continues. There's going to be, uh, there should be, and will be a new front office. I mean, Rick Hunt understands that. Kenny Williams understands that. It's one thing if they had another year going 500, that would be bad enough. But if this kind of stuff continues, if this trend continues, there, there's just no doubt. I mean, there's just no doubt. And I understand this ownership doesn't make a lot of changes. There, you know, some ownerships are quick to pull the trigger. George Steinbrenner esque. Some ownerships are less quick. But this would be like. 
too obvious for everybody that that you, you just you, you would have to make a change. You would have to make a change based on everything that we're talking about. 312-332-3776 is the number. We're still expecting to hear from Elvis Andrews. Going to play some Rick Hahn for you. Continue on the phone lines as well. But before we, before we do any of that, let's break for a legal ID. Jesse Rogers with you on White Sox Weekly for another 90 minutes. Phone lines open. We'll take your calls. I've got Mark Gonzalez from the Sun-Times joining me at 4.30. Jeff Passan, my colleague from ESPN, will be along at 5. This is the White Sox Radio Network. A White Sox 10-game ticket plan gives you the ultimate flexibility. Pick games based on your schedule and your budget. Don't miss any of the action this year. For more information, visit WhiteSox.com slash ticket plans or call 312-674-1000. Of course, the team has to give you a reason to come out to the ballpark. It hasn't this month. White Sox on a nine-game losing streak, 7-20 on the season. This is White Sox Weekly. Just after 4 o'clock on this Saturday afternoon, Jesse Rogers with you from the broadcast booth. Connor McKnight has play-by-play duties. He and Darren Jackson will be along in a couple hours for the call of tonight's game. White Sox and Rays, game three of their four-game series. And again, losing the first two means the White Sox will go the whole month without winning a series. That is a tough pill to swallow. Let's talk about it. 312-332-3776 is the number. As we continue on the phone lines, Micah in Wicker Park, you're on the White Sox Radio Network. What's happening? Hey, Jesse. I got to say, you know, as much of a horror show as this has been and as, you know, that viral caller, Perdo, said the other day, he was perfect. There were cracks in the foundation last year. We know that. But all I heard last year was blaming Tony La Russa. That's it. That's all I heard. And there's an indication that it wasn't all Tony Lamusa. Yeah, I think well, you said that too, didn't you? Say that last year. It might not be all Tony Lamusa's fault. I, I I did say that often, and I was ridiculed for it often. My good friend Mark Silverman, the afternoon host on ESPN 1000 from two to six every day, chastised me often uh, when I would bring that up. Everywhere I went, I did a golf outing last year. Everywhere I went. It was about Tony Larusa. He he sucked all the energy and 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 um, just analysis out of this team. It was all about Tony Larusa, and I kept telling people there were deeper issues here: the lack of left-handed hitting, um, the the trend of chasing pitches outside the zone, the lack of depth on the starting staff, especially. Um, I thought the bullpen was good, and and and, and they were the defensive problems. I always thought it was more than Tony Larusa. And, you know, Sylvie likes to say I'm an early I told you so guy. Well, I guess I was an early I told you so guy when I said it last year. Um, and it turns out to be right. And the thing is, I like what Pedro Grafal is projecting before and after games. I'm not saying he's doing a great job because his job is to um, put together an environment where players succeed. By definition, that isn't happening. His job is to bring out the best in players to maximize their abilities. By definition, meaning the results, it's not happening. So, yes, Micah, this wasn't all Tony LaRusse's fault. By definition, nobody is doing a great job. Right. That's, that's the easy thing here. We, a 500 team, you can debate. You can't debate this. And that is why, again, Rick Hahn more knows more than anybody that his job is on the line Um but he said all the right things on Thursday. He did. 
Uh, not worried about his job. You don't say that you are, even if you are, you don't say that publicly. You worry about the here and now and trying to turn this thing around, especially when it's April. Now, if it's June and July, you start talking about trades and all that stuff. Um, if you still have a job in June or July. Micah, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. You got it. I wasn't going to do an I told you so to Sylvie until I was on the air with him soon. So I'll do it now, and I'll do it to Sylvie then. Because he did declare me an early I told you so guy. But I was right. I was right. Wasn't all about Tony La Russa last year. I said it over and over and over again and got ridiculed for it. Frank. You're next up in Oak Park. You're on ESPN 1000 in the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Hi, Jesse. How you doing, buddy? Good show. Good. You know, there's now no use beating a dead horse. This is a 90-loss team. I follow this team day and night since the 50s. They're lazy. They're lethargic. They don't know the fundamentals of the game. Everything about this team is unwatchable. Believe me, I've been to four games this year. I've seen the Sox been outscored about... 40 to 3 already. I went to the 216 run games against Frisco. They're just, they do nothing right. And I don't blame the manager so much. He's got a, a, a hitting team that he's got to put out. He's got a, a starting staff for his That's given him. But he has made a couple of gaffes, but not enough to be a 7 and 20 record. This team is lazy. They're injury prone. And I'm tired of Moncada. That's the first guy they should get rid of. The absolute positive first guy. Is Moncada. Get rid of him. You don't need that cancer on this team because how long do you think it's going to be before he gets hurt once he comes back? That's my comments. I love your show. I want to hear from you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for the call, Frank. Understand your frustration. And I do think Pedro Grafal is a good baseball man. I did like the hire, so maybe I'm going to turn out to be wrong. I think everybody would agree. He was thrown in the fire with a team that um, is missing things, right? There's no doubt they're missing things. Uh, you can blame the manager a little bit. You just can't blame everything on the manager. Not last year and not this year. If I was consistent, you can't blame Larusa for everything. I can't blame Grafal for everything. Now, did I think he'd be better, especially the Latin players, the Cuban players, bringing out the best in them, maximizing their ability? Yes. And for a moment in time, it looked like Luis Robert and Johan Mancada were going to have career years for the first week, and they kind of regressed. Mankata got hurt, like the caller said, as usual. And Luis Robert has just been awful at the plate. He's been awful at the plate. I mentioned this on the air uh, during one of my reports on ESPN 1000. You know, the scout texted me like a week ago and said he looks like Javi Baez, meaning there's ability there. There's athletic ability defensively on the bases. But at the plate, he's swinging the pitches outside the zone too much, and the opposition knows it, and he's been doing it his whole career. And you're never going to achieve maximum results if you swing outside the zone, unless you're Vladimir Guerrero. Like once in a while, you get a bad ball hitter that makes the Hall of Fame. But it's rare. It's rare. you got to swing at strikes. If you don't, you're done. And that's Luis Robert in a nutshell. But Frank's point, there might be a bigger picture here. Now that we've seen two different managers underachieve with this team, at least so far, there's a bigger point here. And this is why it could cost the front office their jobs is, look, not every rebuild works because the people you invest in, and I mean your money, your roster spots, don't always turn out to be as good as you think they are. And if that's the case, that's on you, and Rick Hahn knows that. He said that as much on Thursday. Now, why hasn't Robert Moncada 
Grandel, just name, you know, we don't have to name them all. Why haven't they reached the potential? Could be any number of reasons. They weren't great in the first place, though they were, a lot of these guys were highly touted players. So it's hard to say they weren't. You become highly touted because you're doing something, right? So it could be other reasons. Maybe they handed these guys money too early. What looked like a positive development, signing these guys early on so they could relax and just play baseball and not worry about their next contract, has now turned into a negative. Maybe giving them money early has their motor going very slowly and not really caring as much as they should. I think all these things are on the table to examine. All these things are on the table. So maybe signing them up early is a mistake. Maybe not doing enough about their makeup, is uh, do, uh, investigating enough about their makeup is a mistake. I said this last year. I mean, Jose Ramirez, that guy's motor runs at the highest level, and Cleveland follows his, his lead. Do the White Sox have anybody who runs their motor at that level all the time? No. Let alone, do they have several guys that do? Probably not. So all these things that have nothing to do necessarily with pure baseball ability might be in play here. I think they are in play here. Do they love the game? Does their motor run at the highest level? Do they play with a high IQ? These are all things you may not see when scouting them. But hopefully you can unearth when investigating whether to trade for them or sign them. Because it can't just be athletic ability, I don't think. Because the White Sox weren't the only ones high on Mankata who got a record deal at the time, or Luis Robert. The White Sox weren't the only ones predicting MVP caliber seasons out of Luis Robert. There were pundits. There were scouts. There were plenty because we all saw his ability. But most of us can't necessarily investigate a guy's character and desire. And, but the team needs to do that. And that is what could ultimately cost the front office their jobs, not understanding the guys they invested in. 312-332-3776 is the number. We'll talk to Mark Gonzalez with the Sun-Times next. Elvis Andrews should join us around 4.30, so stay tuned for all that. Gonzo's been around the league a couple hundred times. He'll give us a t- his take on what's going on with the White Sox on a nine-game losing streak at 7-20 and on the season. But today's a new day. Back in a moment on the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Join us tomorrow for Family Sundays presented by Coca-Cola at Guaranteed Rate Field. Bring your family out to the ballpark for a day of full a day full of fun. Tickets start at just $10. Visit whitesox.com slash Sunday to purchase your tickets today. Jesse Rogers back with you on White Sox Weekly. About another hour, 10 minutes left in the show, and then it's the pregame. I'll have it for you. Connor McKnight and Darren Jackson will have the call of the game just after 6. The White Sox and Rays, but I'm pleased to be joined by longtime Long-time baseball reporter, Mark Gonzalez. He's worked for the Tribune, working this weekend for the Sun-Times, Mark. So I'll be reading you tomorrow. Will will we be reading about a White Sox win, Mark? I think they have a shot. I liked how they played last night. I thought last night they had a great shot at winning. They let it get away. Uh, 0 for 9, runners in scoring position. We saw the gaff in the first inning. um, And then the ninth inning. They was there, there for their taking. They didn't take it. 
I started the show mentioning this. Uh, an old friend of ours, Joe Madden, used to say it's really hard to win a baseball game. And, of course, the converse is true. It's really easy to lose one. Watching this team reminds me of that saying. It really reminds me of that saying. Some games they just gave away, but others it's been one moment, one inning. And this is how you lose 20 of 27. Um, I think Pedro Grafal is a good baseball man, but, boy, I, he's got to walk that tightrope of, hey, batting down the hatches, tighten things up, but don't play tight. Right, right. And I really like, you know, exp- for example, what he's doing right now. They're taking infield. What a concept. They need it. But they need it. And this is the way you, you emphasize attention to detail, being in the right place at the right time, and repetition does not hurt. And for this team, which has had a mix and match after all the injuries they had, this is what you got to do. Yeah, and uh, you just got to keep working. You got to keep working. It's too early in the season to think about trading guys away. Um, the big picture question is why is this happening? Why is this happening? It's probably um, longer than we have on the show, but your thoughts on why it's happening, the way it's happening? Usually in spring training, you get your regulars ready, uh, and you also have your backups ready to step in. And I think in some cases, Maybe they kind of overestimated what they had as far as their second and third layers. Because remember, Tim Anderson was in the WBC. So were a few other guys, Moncada, Robert, to name two. And you don't have Yawn in there for a while because he's been hurt. Same with Tim. And the layers behind those guys haven't stepped up a lot. You know, Berger's gotten some big hits for him, but he's also made some defensive lapses as well. Or mistakes, I shouldn't say lapses. That'd be too too tough on him. And in, in the case of second base, you know, Sosa's had a tough time out there just with the uh, the focus aspect or being in the right place at the right time. And those little things add up. Yeah, they, they, they have not had great depth, though I think it's a little bit better with Sheets and Berger there offensively to cover for guys like if Eloy's out or Mankata. Problem is, defensively, there's a lot of DHs on this team right now. Um, and... I, I, it's rare to see a team, and it'll get better, but it's rare to see a team basically 28th or worst or worse in pitching, hitting, and defense. Yeah. It just, that's, that, you, you have to really play bad to get that, that, those rankings. It's the perfect storm right now because you mentioned those three deficiencies, but you can still play defense. I mean, you have to play defense. That keeps you in the game half the time. And then the pitching, you know, we saw Giolito, you know, he had a rough first, but then after that gave them every chance to take this game, and they didn't take it. And then you get the offense where uh, the inability hit in the clutch, which his team did a little bit earlier when they were at full strength. And even after Tim went down, they were hitting with runners in scoring position pretty well. And now it's kind of abandoned them. And then when you start losing, you have a tendency to chase pitches and and widen your strike zone, which uh, causes – more outs, more strikeouts, and losses. All right. Mark, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Be reading you in the Sun-Times. We're going to talk to one of the guys that's in the middle of all this. That's Elvis Andrews right now. Mark, thank you so much. Thank you. Anytime. All right. Let's go down to the dugout area where Elvis Andrews is prepping for tonight's game, White Sox and Rays. Here's a veteran, a leader on the team, and we welcome him to White Sox Weekly. Elvis, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, guys. What about you? I'm doing fine. It was good to talk to you uh, the last couple days here because I think you're a guy that can at least uh, explain to us exactly what's going on here. It's it's not the start anybody wanted down there, I know. 
Elvis. Take us inside the locker room. How shocking is this to you guys to be 7-20 and and on a nine-game losing streak? Yeah, it's not like you just mentioned it. Uh, it's not the way you want to start uh, any season. Uh, but fortunately, that's where we are, you know. Uh, there's nothing you can do about it, but, you know, trying to have short memory, turn the page, and, and concentrate on today's game, you know. I feel that that's what, one of the things that, you know, I talked to a, a bunch of the guys, and I feel, you know, yesterday's game was, was better, you know, uh, from every standpoint. Uh, we didn't, you know, kind of get that hit when we got the bases loaded, but it's, you know, at least we create opportunity. And I think the more opportunity we create, you know, the, that hit is going to happen. So, you know, very... Very happy of yesterday's game. A little disappointed we didn't come through, but, I mean, I feel like it was a better game uh, all around. And, of course, it was a one-run loss, and one of those runs was scored in the first inning. I talked to Lenin Sosa. You were involved in that. I mean, has that ever happened to you before where two guys go out there and no one's covering second and the guy tags up like that? I mean, that was, a, that was one of those plays you just can't let that run score, huh? Yeah, no, it happened. It happened to me plenty of time where, like, you know, we're both going for the ball, uh, especially in those situations, especially the way you're, we're playing right now. You know, you're trying to do everything is possible to get out. So, uh, I mean, especially in that situation yesterday, uh, you know, the only thing that I told him was, you know, he shouldn't just throw the home play. You know, just give the ball to, to Bonnie. Uh, it was two out. So, like, I know somebody should be in second, but in plays like that, you always worry about that, that runner in third base. Because uh, after that, we got a fly ball center field. So, the, you know, no, no run with his court. But, you know, he's a young guy. Uh, he, he's still learning the game. He's still, uh, you know, working hard. So, I mean, we cannot blame you know that loss to him i think it was a lot of other things that happened but yeah i think those are plays that we just need to clean it up and and especially now that we're not hitting i think when you start hitting uh, little things like that doesn't bother you that much elvis you've been around what coming out of spring training it looked like you know a normal spring training and things would happen normally sometimes you get off to a good start maybe back and forth wins and losses because April you're trying to find your footing. Could you have predicted the hitting, the defense, the pitching, just having the month that it's had? Was there anything in spring training that worried you? No, not really. Being honest, uh, not not at all. I think that we had a really, you know, great spin training. I mean, for me, I don't really care too much about numbers because spin training is a different animal than the season. Uh, but, I mean, in terms everybody was healthy, everybody was looking good, doing their job to prepare for the season. So, in that regard, you know, I felt, you know, really confident uh, coming into the season. Uh, you know, I feel like we have a really great uh, opening, you know, four games against, you know, the reigning champions. And it was just, I think it's just, you know, it's going to happen. I always talk to the guys. We all know that teams are going to go through this. There's no team that go 162 you know, playing great baseball. You you're gonna have those stretch, and you know you never want want that to happen at the beginning because you know then guys start you know pressuring or or panicking. But that's what I'm trying to explain to guys. It's gonna happen. You know, unfortunately, it happened to us right now. But I told him I said I'd rather that happen now than like in September. You know, so we know that 
you know, we're pretty much playing very, probably the worst we're going to play the whole year. So, you know, besides that, there's nothing but good things that we can do as a team. So just be, you know, be positive. I know it's hard when you're going through this. I mean, everybody, including myself, we, we're trying, we, we put in the work, uh, but it's just, that's baseball, you know? So, I mean, the only advice I give them and, and something that I've done and I've seen and I learned through the years, you know, don't give up, especially this early. I mean, it's, it's the first month of the season. I know, I know you guys, uh, you know, want to turn the team apart. Like everybody in the TV, you know, is talking. But it's, it's you know, it's, it's not the first time I've seen it. It's not the first time I've been through. And, and that's what I'm trying to tell the guys. We got enough talent in this team to get off and, and get back on a good winning streak. And, you know, it only takes a good two weeks winning and then we're back on track you know it's too early you know to panic so but for me the most important thing is that we have to stay positive have a short memory you know just delete everything that happened and start fresh today that makes a lot of sense visiting with elvis andrews white Sox infielder here on white Sox weekly a couple minutes left um ha- ha- have has, has there been frustration in moments whether it be on the plane or in the clubhouse, has have guys just looked at each other and been, what the hell is going on here? Is there has there been those moments? Uh, not at all, actually. I mean, we we only have a few guys. <clears throat> they're kind of, you know, majorly the view. Uh, the you know majority of the guys being at least for a year in the big leagues, and, and they understand how hard uh, you know the game is and how hard he is getting. You know, that's what I try to you know. To relay, you know, they're not gonna give any win. It's gonna be for free. We have to earn it. But it's just baseball, you know. We have to understand that we're gonna go through this. You know, you're gonna go through funk like this. You're gonna go to funk personally, individually. You wanna will, you know, you will go through those. And it's how you know how strong you can stay in your mind. How how much you still believe you we're gonna have a great season. We're gonna be in a great shape by September. Uh, and I mean. There's nothing better than, you know, get that challenge straight up, you know, in the first month. So, uh, you know, I still believe that, that, you know, we have the talent and, and the right pieces in here to get off and start winning. And, and I mean, as soon as you start winning, uh, you know, we will do that for the majority of the season. So, you know, I don't really have any doubt that we can just get off of this bad stretch and start winning games because that's just who I am. You know, I'm too positive of a person to believe or, you know, kind of be frustrating, you know, and we're still in April. I want to ask you about two teammates before I let you go. Let's talk about something that's a positive. Jake Berger didn't make the team out of spring training, and now he's just crushing balls all over the place. What do you like about Jake Berger at the plate as a guy that's been around the league a lot? Oh, I love his energy. Uh, that kid has a, such an amazing energy. Uh, and, you know, I didn't know that he's been through uh, bad injuries in his career because I was like, wait, this guy is not here <laughs> a lot sooner than now. Uh, but, no, I, lo- I love his mindset. Uh, he don't really care who's pitching. He don't care about the stuff. He just concentrate, work hard. And he just want to hit a homer in every bat. I love that mindset. And, you know, when you're a young guy, you have to be fearless of who's pitching or what they're going to do to you. You know, you have to believe who you are and what you can do uh, in the best scenario. And I think that he, he's done a really good job putting himself in those situations. And I feel that's why he's hitting the way he is right now. And, and hopefully he's just a star. You know, he can have an amazing uh, season. 
And tell me about Luis Robert Jr. From the moment he stepped on a baseball diamond, everybody saw the raw talent. But it's not necessarily coming out in terms of a consistent basis over the course of a year. We, we, we've seen him in spurts. How can he get more consistent, Elvis? I think he just needs to play, man. He just needs to keep playing. He keeps asking sometimes, like, what do I need to do? You know, and I'm like, literally, just play. Like, I think that, you know, like you just mentioned, he has so much hype. Like, everybody is expecting so much out of him. And just because he's that talented, you know, but he have to, you know, realize that as much as the hype and as much as people expecting him to, you know, go and win the MVP in every any season, he just have to go and perform and play like, you know, like he did in the beginning of the season. There was no thinking. There was no hype. He was just actually just came to the field and, and just let it out. So I think he's just going through a little bit of funk. Uh, but like I told him, it's, it's early, man. It's early in the season. You already did you know, two great weeks. So mm -hmm. you know what you can do if you stay, um, you know, focused and then just trust yourself. And I think that, you know, I think the, the hype is not that easy, you know, to carry when you're that young. But, you know, I believe that he's going to he's gonna get back on track. He's too talented to not, you know, to not get back on track. And, uh, you know, I love the way he's playing because he doesn't panic. He, he doesn't show it either. And I think that's a really great thing to, do, to have as a player. Elvis, thank you for your time. Go get a win tonight. I know Sox fans are dying for one. I'm sure the team is as well. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you, guys. All right. That's Elvis Andrews, White Sox infielder, playing shortstop now with Tim Anderson out. We appreciate his time. Um, makes a lot of sense on a lot of a lot of levels, including what he meant about Luis Robert. Just go play. I, I mean, I just keep playing. Like It sounds like a cliche, but I understand what he means. Don't think. Just play. Just play. And it, it, maybe it's a coincidence, maybe not, but I feel like the moment Tim Anderson went down, Luis Robert um, started struggling, started pressing. Just go play. Let that talent come out and maybe lay off a few pitches outside the zone. Sox fans and school teachers, join us May 4th for Weather Day presented by the NBC5 Storm Team before the White Sox take on the Twins at 1.10 p.m. Learn how weather impacts baseball and what it means to be a meteorologist with the NBC5 Sports Team. Enjoy demonstrations, trivia, Southpaw, and more. To purchase tickets, visit whitesox.com slash weather. Back in a moment on White Sox Weekly, we will continue to take your calls at 312-332-3776. Jesse Rogers with you on the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. One hour down, one hour to go. Jesse Rogers with you on White Sox Weekly. If you're headed to the park, phone lines open at 312-332-3776. You want to sound off a little bit about the team or what you heard from Elvis Andrews? It's just such a strange time to be sort of out of it this quickly, and and they're not out of it, but you know what I mean. Like it's just weird. Like you can't talk about trades yet, right? You can't talk about well, the season's almost over. We're you know, well, there's always next year. It's so early. It's so early that I think Elvis is taking the right attitude. Like you just got to focus on the here and now and start trying to win a game and then win a series. And if you somehow do turn around, there is plenty of time to sort of get back into it. But it feels like all is lost, right? It certainly feels like that. It just to have it happen, even it, let's say it is just a bad stretch, which I think there's a lot of people that doubt it's just a bad stretch. But even if it is to happen so early, just throws you out of your, it just throws you out of whack. 
throws out of whack what you know about baseball. Because this isn't the Oakland A's just throwing out some prospects without a payroll, right? This is a team that had some expectations to at least build off of last year in the sense meaning better than 500. That's the least they could do. But that's not happening. They went backwards. They changed managers and went backwards at least so far. 312-332-3776 is the number. If you didn't hear Rick Hahn the other day, I'm going to play some, some of this for you. On Thursday, first game back after that terrible road trip, Rick Hahn got up there in the dugout, um, sat on the top top level of the dugout there. Not on top of the dugout, but inside the dugout on the top top level there and um, met reporters for about 20 minutes. We've played a lot of it here on ESPN 1000, but let, let's, let's play some and break it on down. First of all, here's a minute 22 Cut to Charlie on his message to fans because I think you guys deserve to hear it. They're not alone. We're upset. We're feeling every emotion in the book, ranging from you know rage to disappointment, uh, and we've done perhaps the exact opposite of what we set out to do in terms of regaining our fans' confidence and trust in, in what we're about here. Uh, at the end of the day, we have to win. That's the way we're going to earn this back. Uh, we can sit here and, and talk about how it's early. We can sit here and talk about all these other teams that had rough starts but still turned it around and even won World Series after death, uh, after those rough starts. But Ian, it's not going to matter unless we start winning ball games, And that's, that's, we have the opportunity to start doing that tonight, and the focus and the commitment remain strong. But when you say we need to earn this back on the field, we know we're, we're doing quite the opposite of that, and we still have that important, not just hole in the standings to dig out from, but hole in terms of regaining our fans' trust. We completely understand that, and, and more than just empathize with the emotions they're feeling, like we're living it day in and day out, so absolutely understand any frustration, dissatisfaction, or finger-pointing even that's coming from outside the organization. Absolutely get it. And that's what I said earlier in this show. Like, everything's on the table. You, you have the right to question everything this organization has done, from how much they've spent on payroll to the decisions, the personnel decisions they've made, to the coaching decisions they've made, to the managerial decisions. I think Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams and Jerry Ryan's definitely would understand questioning all of it, all of it. When you ask te- uh, fans to sit through a rebuild, and then that rebuild doesn't work, you're doubly in trouble. It's bad enough you're losing, but you by design were losing for a few years. And if the net result is a winning team, great. But if it's not, you're you're doubly in trouble. You've ticked off fans two different ways. You made them sit through losing and sort of, you know, not promise them, but said we're going to win someday because this losing will lead to it. And then that doesn't happen. You're really, really going to tick off some people. All right, here's Rick Hahn, cut three, not making any conclusions yet. We haven't gotten to the point where we're making any sort of conclusions about any of that. Uh, It's obviously not the start any of us envisioned or a start that's conducive to addressing any of those questions. Uh, You know, tonight our focus is on winning this ballgame and then tomorrow winning another one. Ultimately, you know, proclamations about where we're at as an organization and our capabilities getting us to the right spot are going to come over the course of the season. 
Is it fair to look back, though, and say it's not just one month, it's add-on six months, even the second half of 21, and looking at it? uh, That's up to you to decide how long of a frame you want to put it on. You know, you back up a little bit before that, and the front offices win an Executive of the Year awards a few months before you just did that cutoff. So probably weren't quite as smart as we were viewed to be then, and perhaps not quite as stupid as we may be viewed to be now. But look, at the end... The goal is to return the level of competitiveness with the World Series aspirations that we felt we were able to potentially fulfill as an organization a few months back into that, you know, extended period that you referenced. It doesn't do any of us sitting here today any good to try, as a club, again, media, fans, have at it, do what you got to do. It uh, doesn't do us as a club sitting here tonight trying to win ball games and right this ship with this current group to try to dig back to when did this, you know, potentially start, whether it was the second half of 21 or portions of last year or, or what. Uh, focus right now is getting it right for 23, and then if changes need to be made after 23 or at some point later in the season, assessing when the right time to make those changes are. Yeah, that all makes sense to me. Having covered this sport for many, many years, you, you, there's a there's a progression to this thing. There's nothing a GM can do now anyway. There, there aren't trades to be made in, in late April. Once in a blue moon, you do something. But this is not the time. So it's a progression. You, you, you play for a couple months, and then you start to assess what you're going to do near the trade deadline. Now, Maybe he could start that assessing a little bit earlier if this thing continues into May like like it's going. But I get it. I get focusing on trying to turn this around now until it's time to think about something else. But I think for the rest of us, what we can, and he gave us permission to do it, I think we can look back and say, wait a minute, was 21 an aberration? I mean, the division was awful. Uh, opponents maybe hadn't figured the, the White Sox out between 20 and the 60 games in 20 and the first half of 21, but then they started to figure them out. And the White Sox didn't adjust. I've seen this with many teams. You reach a level, you don't make the proper adjustments while everyone else is adjusting to you, and you start to go backwards a little bit. It happens. Or the decisions you've made ultimately are wrong because the bigger the sample size, the more you understand what those those decisions look like, meaning okay, maybe we shouldn't have given all this money to these guys before they've even played an inning or a year or whatever the case may be. Maybe they're resting on their laurels a little bit from 20 and 21. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I don't know what the answers are, but we know the results aren't good, so you do have to dig back. But I get maybe not doing it right now if you're the team. I get that. Learn from the pros this summer at a White Sox summer camp presented by Wintrust starting at $159. Kids ages 5 through 12 can register for a camp at any of our 45 locations throughout the Chicagoland area. To learn more, visit the White Sox, uh, visit whitesox.com slash play. Let's get to some more, Rick Hahn, before we have to take a break and get back to the phone lines. I want to get your take on all this. 312-332-3776 is the number if you want to jump on. Um, you've heard his message to fans. The fact that he's going to assess things a little bit later into the season. Let's talk about what's good enough this year. Cut four here from Rick Hahn. What will be good enough this year after a start like this? It's the same as it was when we started 
the season. We were looking, we felt we had the talent to contend for a championship. We thought we had the talent to contend for this division and to make some noise in the postseason. That goal hasn't changed. We made our job a heck of a lot harder based on the first 25 games. But the goal hasn't changed for us. Do you feel that as strongly as you did before? You, do you that the that? goal's the same? Yeah. That it's possible. Yes. I believe in this group. I believe in this group. I'm not going to, you're not going to see me sitting out here uh, 25 games in this season saying I don't believe in this group. Based on the talent we have in there, the track record that many of these guys have, uh, the focus and commitment to these players, you're not going to see me, you know, Shit, 25 days in. Again, I understand him saying that. 25 games does not make a season. And the other thing is, he's got no choice to stay on the ship, so to speak, right? What else can he do? This is this, is, this front office's last chance to get it right. He can't abandon ship because abandoning ship means basically leaving his post as as the GM. I mean, it's just so I get it. Like you're all he's all in. The front office has to be all in. They've done the rebuild. They've been here a long time to get it right. So there's no other choice but to continue and stay the course and just cross your fingers that the Hail Mary works. And what I mean by the Hail Mary, turning things around after a 7 and 20 start. All right, so I th- those things all made sense to me. They all made sense to me. You don't have to be happy about it. But at least they made sense to me. I've heard Rick Hahn a little bit more defiant in other moments addressing reporters. No, no, no room for defiance here. No room for being defensive here. He knows the bed they've made. And he knows he's, he's in charge of all of it. So um, I, I don't have a problem with anything he said there. I want to talk about Pedro Grafal because I don't have a huge problem with what he is saying, what he's portraying. Obviously... Whatever buttons he's pushing isn't working, but I like what he's done in front of the media. We'll talk about that when we come back as well. I want to get your phone calls on this. Feel free to sound off, 312-332-3776. Jesse Rogers with you on White Sox Weekly on the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. White Sox fans swing for the fences this season with a brand-new Mazda for Mazda of Orland Park. Probably sponsoring the Chicago White Sox and Chicago White Sox charities for more than a decade. Mazda of Orland Park offers everything, from the brand new 2024 Mazda CX-90 to all your favorite 2023 models, along with exceptional service each and every time. To learn more about our available inventory, give us a call at 708-444-3200 or visit us at ZoomZoomNation.com. We know you love Chicago. You devour the pizza, admire Chicago skyline, and cheer on Chicago sports teams, especially the White Sox. If you wanted to live in a less amazing place, you'd settle for Cleveland. Why not bank with Chicago's bank, too? Upgrade your wallet with an exclusive Wintrust White Sox debit card, which you can get when you open a Wintrust White Sox checking account. Learn more today at Wintrust.com slash Sox. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. Reason number 283 to visit the city of Countryside, Chicago's Western Gateway. Craving a traditional Mexican meal, a refreshing margarita or horchata? If so, stop by Hacienda Cacula in the city of Countryside, a local family-owned Mexican restaurant that has been in the industry for over 45 years. Perfect for a quick bite, family dinner, or carryout for those days you just want to stay in. Hacienda Cacula also offers catering packages great for your next event. Hacienda Cacula is excited to welcome you to our home away from home. Accidents happen. Cars can be fixed and replaced. But what about you? 
Who's looking out for your damages? I'm attorney Tony Ivoni. No one protects more injured victims than I do. Visit calltony.com or call me at 708-400-0000. Looking out for you is my number one priority. Visit calltony.com or call me at 708-4MILLION. Because you deserve better. One player. Campaign mode. Avoid cyclists and pedestrians to advance to the next level. When it comes to roadway safety, following the rules is the name of the game. It's the responsibility of the driver to pay attention and keep pedestrians safe. Don't let a careless moment behind the wheel ruin your perfect score. Keep an eye out for pedestrians because they may not be looking for you. It's not a game. Visit itsnotagameillinois.com to learn more. Hey, Chicago. Jared here with Power Equipment Direct. I've spent the last decade helping customers find the right generator. Whether you're looking for backup for your home or business, or just powering your pre-game tailgate, we have the right generator for you. We also have a wide assortment of mowers, pressure washers, and everything else you need around the house. Visit PowerEquipmentDirect.com or give us a call and talk to a product expert like me. That's PowerEquipmentDirect.com. Hey, baseball fans, crowd noises at the game are great, but noises from your vehicle could mean serious repairs are coming. Amco Transmissions and Total Car Care has been serving Chicagoland for over 60 years. Let the experts at Amco diagnose your vehicle right, and now our exclusive powertrain system check is free. We even offer easy payment plans if needed. Call 1-800-GO-AMCO or search AAMCO for a location near you. That's AAMCO, AMCO, Transmissions, and a whole lot more. Hey, Chicago, whatever the job throws at you, you'll be ready. TrueWorks Modernized Workwear is designed to function in an integrated system with base, mid, and shell layers seamlessly working together to reduce bulk, maximize flexibility, and keep you comfortable and protected in all the weather Chicago can throw at you. And sometimes all within the same day. Visit TrueWork.com. That's True, W-E-R-K.com. Bring your group out to a White Sox game and receive specially priced tickets along with a great experience. We have private areas for corporate outings, family get-togethers, and more. For more information, visit whitesox.com slash groups. Jesse Rogers back with you. If you're headed to the ballpark, it looks like things will be dry. Rained uh, earlier when I got to the park today, and then it uh, got a little sunny. Now it's cloudy, but uh, they will get baseball in tonight. The White Sox trying to get off the schneid against the Rays. Uh, Lance Lynn on the hill. I'll have the pregame show for you in about 40 minutes. Connor McKnight, normally in this seat, has the play-by-play tonight alongside Darren Jackson. They'll be with you a little bit after 6 o'clock. 312-332-3776 is the number. If you want to join me regarding anything you've heard on the show, I was playing some Rick Hahn from the other day. We had Elvis Andrews on live. Mark Gonzalez joined us. We're going to talk to Jeff Passan, my colleague at ESPN a little bit after 5 o'clock, so lots to get to, but I want to take your phone calls at 312-332-3776. What's been most shocking to you? What's been most shocking to me? I mean, I mean to you, to me, it's, it's just the idea that rarely do you see zero parts of a baseball team working. And what I mean by that, offensively, defensively, pitching, starting, and relieving, all of it not working for the White Sox. 
Usually, if one part of your game is working, you're going to win a game here or there because your starter is going to shut down the opponent. Or you're going to have that one 10-run game. Or defensively, you're going to make some plays, just one one game that wins it for you. And none of that's happened. None of it. So just the idea that zero parts of your baseball team are working for you over the course of a month and certainly the last nine days is quite amazing to me and quite rare, unless you're just a completely in a rebuilding mode. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. So what's been most shocking to you about this start? Um, in between phone calls here, and we're going to get Jeff Passon on in a few minutes, I want to play a couple more cuts from Rick Hahn. On the offensive preparation for this team, boy, they are chasing pitches outside the zone, something they've done through several managers now, several hitting coaches. This, at this point, is just part of their DNA. Here's Rick Hahn on that. That it remains a priority, that I know that the drills are focused on that, that I know that they're pulling guys aside for early work and re-emphasis on what we're trying to accomplish, and that each night they're going out there with a specific plan. The execution has left something to be desired uh, at times, especially as the losses started mounting. Uh, but I don't question the the preparation, focus, and prioritization done by the, the coaching staff. Are there certain players that maybe just because of their style and their instinctive nature you can't change, that maybe that's just what they are? Uh, it's possible, but he's also seen out of just about every player that you would potentially identify as, as you know, trending or naturally more the in an undisciplined way. We've seen extended streaks of them being capable of having that type of offensive approach, whether it's in the, the big leagues or, or in the minors over the course of their career. So we're not going to give up trying to get them to that level. Was it expected that, that Pedro and the staff would need an ample amount of time to kind of employ some of the changes that they needed to Yeah, employ? look, it, it, anytime you're working on changing multiple things, whether it's culture or game planning or, you know, instruction, uh, just to name a few, they're going to progress at varying paces. Uh, but I will say we, you know, we feel we left spring training in a very good spot. They were a very productive camp, and they spend those, you know, six and a half or some seven weeks implementing a lot of what they were wanted to do. Now, again, as the lights turned on, and, and uh, the execution hasn't quite been what we thought we were going to get. But I, I don't, I'm not putting that on the coaches. Yeah, I mean that again makes makes some sense to me. That last part. That he said, um, yeah, there's going to be some growing pains with a new new coaching staff, but they had six weeks to implement ideas and thoughts and prep and all that stuff. But on top of it, it's why I, I and the schedule was was looking tough. Even if you go back to March and just looked at what April was going to look at, that all is true. Except that that should maybe lead to a 500 month. I get that you're not 20 and three like the Rays or whatever they are. Like I get that. Like it take, there are some growing pains with a new coaching staff and manager, but to me, if you're talented, that means okay, maybe you should be 500 or a game or two below. The fact that you're this bad this quickly might mean a deeper look at everything that you know and have done to this team over the last few years. But I do disagree with them earlier. Plate discipline by the time you get to the majors is usually part of your DNA. Like, you either have it or you don't. Now, you can improve. You can improve some. But that improvement is minuscule. A guy that takes a hundred, uh, to take, you know, strikes out 100 times a year and, and walks 20 times isn't going to reverse that. He's not going to reverse that. He might get down to 90 strikeouts and 25 walks or 30 walks, 
but he's not going to reverse that at the major league level. That doesn't happen. So the fact that this team chases, the fact that Luis Robert chases, that's been them since 2020, since they became sort of that fully formed contender. Now, were they good enough to overcome it, or can they be good enough to overcome it? Apparently not. They were in 20 and 21 when they, they chased then because other parts of their game were great. They had power in 20. They led the league in homers in the shortened season. They had starting pitching. That was at the top of, of, of uh, the rankings. The problem is when other parts of your game aren't working, you can't fall back on, on, on this part, maybe drawing a few more walks because it's not part of your DNA. They just chase outside the zone too much, and the opponent has figured that out. 312-332-3776, the number. If you want to jump back in before we get to Jeff Passon a little bit after 5 o'clock, we've got White Sox baseball coming up just a little bit over an hour from now. The White Sox and Rays, Game 3, Connor McKnight and Darren Jackson with the call. I'm Jesse Rogers filling in for Connor right here on White Sox Weekly on the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Jesse Rogers back with you on White Sox Weekly. Let's pause 10 seconds for station ID. All right, let's reset the scene here at Guaranteed Rate Field. I'm Jesse Rogers filling in for Connor McKnight. He's got the play-by-play in about an hour. Darren Jackson alongside him. I'll have the pregame show at 5.30. So another half hour left in White Sox Weekly, which, which comes to you every Saturday for two hours in the season, one hour outside the season. We're going to talk to my pal Jeff Passan from ESPN in just a few minutes. But first, let's go to Matt in Beverly. You're on ESPN 1000 and the White Sox Radio Network. Matt, what's up? Hey, Jesse. How's it going? Good. Hey, uh, so I got two quick things for you. Uh, Four of our marquee guys, uh, so Eloy, Luis, Timmy, and uh, Moncada, these guys can't stay healthy. I mean, you have four of your premier fielders. Who, are, who haven't played more than 120 games, I think, in the past few years. And the fact that we have a new training staff and three of those guys have already been on the I.L. this year is insanity. And the other thing is, I mean, since the rebuild, they kept saying the money's got to be spent. We've been in the top ten in payroll one time in the past ten years, and that was last season. And if you go back to 2020, this, the fact that the Sox didn't sign Castellanos and went traded for Mazzara, you know, right field has been an absolute problem for us that whole time. I think going back to that 2020 season, if we had Castellanos out there, we win the division, you get a home game, and that whole playoffs is a different situation. And obviously I think, you know, 2021 is a different year of right fielder. And, you know, last year is a different situation. But just two things I want to get your thoughts on. Yeah, let's. I'll start with the second thing. I don't disagree with you. The final chapter of the rebuild should be pushing your chips all in. In this case – um, money, right? <laughs> and 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 you sign that number one starter. You sign that best hitter on the market or second best hitter on the market. You don't work your way down the ladder as maybe the White Sox did. They didn't push all their chips in. Uh, payroll doesn't equal a championship, but it gets you pretty darn close a lot of times. And when you're talking about a rebuild, that's usually the finishing touches. Can't disagree with you there. And, yeah, I mean, by definition, some of these players are injury-prone. I know Rick Hahn doesn't love that wording, but it, it's by definition, meaning they're out of the lineup so much, they are injury-prone. Now, why are they injury-prone? Is it the White Sox fault? Is it the player fault? I think it's probably more the player fault, how they're built, how they work out, how they get ready. Um, 
Maybe some of it's flukish. That probably applies to Tim Anderson more than the other guys, the flukish nature of it all. But it, it all, it, it doesn't really matter what the reason is. The matter is it is, that it's happening, and that the White Sox have invested in those guys, and it's just not working. Um, but I don't, I don't know why. I don't think anyone knows exactly why. Zach and Wheaton, you're up before we talk to Jeff Passan. What's on your mind, Zach? Hi, Jesse. I just want to get your thoughts. Uh, kind of, you know, I know people like to say, oh, on paper as well. And, you know, I think this is who they are. I don't think that besides T.A., you know, even when Eloy and Robert are on the field, they're not good enough. And the minor leagues are a disaster. I don't think that the uh, fans, Sox fans, have proven that if you're, you know, they bought into the rebuild once, but they've proven when you're not winning, they're not going to show up. So my question, and, you know, even if they, like, get really proactive and bring in someone equivalent to a Theo, five, six, seven years, this uh, a teardown and real rebuild will actually have to take. Are the city of Chicago, are the fans of Chicago going to be patient enough? Are they not going to show up if a, a new owner eventually comes in and their fan base isn't there? Are they going to even be here in the next decade then? Well, first of all, it, 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 look, new ownership, new front office, usually get a honeymoon period, right? I mean, it all depends what they do. I think uh, there's a big city. There's a lot of Sox fans out there. They will show up if you put a winner on the field. Now, you might lose a generation while you're doing that, but once there's a winner on the field, people love to jump on the bandwagon. So if in future years this ownership, this front office, different ownership, different front office puts a winner on the field, the fans will be there or come back. In the interim, yeah, they probably won't show as much, just like any rebuild fans don't come out, unless they can. you can get really excited about, about a bunch of prospects that you want to watch. So um, I think it's all about doing it the right way, investing in the right people, whether it be prospects or veterans, and getting some wins at, at some point. And for a moment in time, they did. Thanks for the call. Appreciate that, Zach. Uh, Let's get out to one of my favorite guys. I work with him closely at ESPN. You can read his stuff at ESPN.com. See him on Baseball Tonight. Had a great column basically on the first month of the season. What's real and what's not as we welcome in Jeff Pass into the conversation. What's up, Jeff? How are you doing today? Jesse, how are you, my friend? Doing well, doing well. I'm, I'm, I'm at Guaranteed Rate Field, and I'm on one side looking at the best team in baseball, and on the other side working at looking at one of the worst months a team can have. The Rays, of course, at the top of the, the rankings in all categories. The White Sox, not so much. But we've been talking a lot about the White Sox, Jeff. I want to talk to you about the Rays. Everyone in the world knows what their payroll is, what kind of attendance they draw. So what in the name of Muddy Ball are they pulling off to continually put out a winner, and especially this year? What is the secret sauce in the Tampa Bay Rays, Jeff? Uh- they just do everything well, Jesse. Um, they draft well. They sign internationally well. They develop extremely well. But I think the best thing that they do is they find talent in other organizations that they feel like they can get more out of, and then they actually extract it from them. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what the actual composition of their roster is right now, but I did a little exercise a few weeks ago. And of the 26, I'm going to do a little pop quiz and do not feel bad at all if you don't get these right. But of the 26 players on that roster, how many do you think were drafted and developed by the Rays? Uh, The way you're going, I'm going to say a a small number. I'm going to say seven. Ten. That's exactly. Did you? Did I tell you this? No, no, you didn't. Well, I mean, the way you were going, I knew it was going to be a small number, and it can't be one or two, so I picked seven. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, seven's perfect. And uh, how how many? There's one forty man guy. How many free agent signings do you think are on the team? Oh well, Zach Eflin just it was the biggest in history, I think. So th- let's yeah. say three three or four. Yeah, there were two, which okay. means that they traded for sixteen of the twenty six players they have have on their roster, and. When you look at some of the guys that they traded for, um, you know, when he was with Cleveland, Yandy Diaz was not the guy he is now. Uh, when he was with St. Louis, Randy Rosarena was in AAA. Uh, when he was with Detroit, Isak Paredes was an up-and-down guy. Uh, when, when he was everywhere else, Harold Ramirez was just, eh. You know, yeah. Manny yeah. Margot, Christian Bethencourt, uh, Luke Rayleigh. Uh, and you can even look at the pitching staff. Like, they do an incredible job of finding guys who they think they can get more out of and actually getting more out of them. And that, to me, is the, the secret of the sauce. You know, I jokingly re- reference Moneyball, but it kind of is that concept of, it is. of yeah, it, of finding guys that have some ability that is untapped, I suppose, and, and developing. Is it a combination of, of that, of a, a scouting success and then a development success? Is it equal success on both ends? Yeah, I, I think it's probably a little bit more of the scouting and analytics finding the guys. Um, and, at, you know, at the major league level especially, they're really good at extracting that extra gear from them. Um, you know, player development, they've done a pretty good job. Wander Franco's a guy who came internally, same with Brandon Lau. And, uh, you know, a lot of their pitchers tend to be, uh, especially in the rotation, more of those guys. But... Uh, they, they're just they're so good at what they do, man. And the the culture in Tampa Bay is really good too. I think Eric Neander, uh, their general manager, deserves a lot of credit because an organization like the Rays, in order to function the way that they do, players need to be bought into this idea that they're going to get better. But they also need to understand that once they get good, they might get traded. And that's a that's a hard needle to thread right there for the yeah. Rays to yeah. to know that uh, because of their financial situation and because Stu Sternberg, the owner, simply hasn't been willing to to shell out huge dollars for guys beyond Wander Franco, that there's a reasonable possibility that if they perform, they're going to be moved somewhere else. And it's you know it's sad that it comes down to that, but that's the reality of the situation and. Uh, what the Rays have done is make that palatable for players when it's a seemingly unpalatable thing. Yeah, you know, it, make, it makes me believe and in, in subscribe into this theory more and more that every big market executive GM should start in a small market, kind of like a, uh, uh, Andrew yeah. Friedman, right? Take that small market mentality to a big payroll. Um, I, I, it, you... I mean, Theo Epstein is like the exception to the rule, but even he cut his teeth in San Diego. So mm-hmm. it, it's not like he was not familiar with teams that were back then, at least with the Padres, operating like a small market. Visiting with Jeff Passan from ESPN for a couple more minutes. So the other side of the diamond is a team in disarray right now. Um, maybe, they'll turn, maybe they'll turn around, maybe not. But let's say they don't. We have an extended sample size last year, the second half of 21. And I'm not going to say what did the White Sox get wrong. What did we all get wrong? There are various times you and I both predicted major success for this team, not just in the regular season, even the postseason. Fans did, other pundits. What did they get wrong? And is it, I think it's fair to, to ask all those um, sort of questions. Did they give money out too early? Did they, get, uh, you know, did they, did they scout wrong? Like all those things. 
I think that could have been positives a couple years ago. Years ago, meaning, oh, they locked up this guy. They locked up. Well, maybe it turns out to be a yeah. negative because they didn't yeah. dive into the character. What, did, in your opinion, did they get wrong? Well, I think one thing, and we don't talk about this enough, is taking health for granted. You know, the mm-hmm. the White Sox are a really bad team right now, but they've been a pretty banged up team too. And this is not an excuse. It's just the reality. Like, I'm sorry, but Aloy Jimenez has not been able to stay healthy. And Tim Anderson has not been able to stay healthy. And Yohan Moncada has not been able to stay healthy. And and Luis Robert this year, he's managed to, but he hasn't been very good. Um, It's just when guys aren't on the field, Jesse, they can't perform. And when guys are on the field intermittently, it's a lot harder to perform. So, I, I think sitting there and looking at the, the medical end of things is a fair way to do it. But uh, a misassessment of talent, like, yeah, when you give money to Robert and to Jimenez and to Mankata the way that they did, uh, you are banking on premium performance, and they haven't gotten premium performance from any of those guys. It's just been a factory of disappointment. And, listen, I was – I. I picked the White Sox to win the World Series last year. So I'm as guilty as anyone for buying into the idea that the talent was going to be there enough to overcome some of the deficiencies. I didn't see the bottom dropping out like it has. I didn't see this team losing nine straight games and and Pedro Grafal, you know, getting ejected twice in a row because his frustrations are perhaps the most apparent of anyone's. Uh, It's just a bad bad vibe there right now and uh, i i understand uh their schedule's been absolutely brutal like i i'm this is this is not an excuse it's the same thing earlier in the year when the rays were winning where i was saying hey like you know their schedule's been pretty easy so far but over the over the last three weeks they have faced minnesota first place in the central Baltimore, one of the five best records in the game. Philadelphia went to the World Series last year. Tampa, best team in baseball. Toronto, uh, you know, uh, toughest division, and I think they've won five in a row now. And Tampa again. And then they have Minnesota after that. Um, it, you know, it, if the White Sox don't turn around and win some games against Cincinnati and Kansas City that they've got starting this upcoming Friday, uh, this could be a really really long season. And and the idea, I was just talking with our boss yesterday about this, like, hey, when should I be targeting to, to write trade uh, trade deadline stuff, <laughs> you know, the first trade deadline story. And I, I remember saying in that conversation, you know, didn't expect the White Sox to be in there, but yeah. that's precisely where they are right now. And, man, it, it's not just Lucas Giolito who they need to consider moving because he's going to be a free agent after this season. There can't be any sacred cows on that roster, Jesse. They just have not performed well enough for anyone to be there to stick around long-term. They have to be as creative as possible if they want to turn this thing around quickly. And I don't anticipate that Jerry Reinsdorf is going to be on board with the five-year rebuild. Exactly. And, and, you know, we we don't have time to dive into it now, Jeff, but if you're doing some sort of fire sale, it has to be with a different front office. You have to, it really, if this thing goes south for another month or so, you've really got to let someone else do the fire sale. You can't let the same front office do the, do another fire sale. If you keep 
Rick and Kenny in place this season, then it's probably more of a retool just the free agents. I, it's, it's, they're in a bad spot when it comes to all that stuff because this is not a new front office. I want to throw one stat out uh, to you before, before I let you go, and you can make fun of me. I, I tweeted this. I tweet this kind of somewhat often. You, it's so unscientific, but it's just amazing to me. When Tim Anderson starts a game for the White Sox, yeah. since, since yep. 2020, they are 38 games over 500. When he doesn't start for the White Sox, he's 17 under. They're, they're 17 under. That is Byron Buxton-like numbers. I know one person can't affect it, but just tell me it's as, is as insane as it sounds. Well, it, here's, here's the reality, Jesse. Tim Anderson in 2020 missed 15% of the games. Tim Anderson in 2021 missed about a quarter of the games. Tim Anderson in 2022 missed half the games. Like, uh, you know, if the greatest ability is availability – then Tim Anderson's ability isn't great right now. And it's, it's a bummer to see because when he is on the field, he's dynamic. He is fun to watch. He is a great, and I'm not saying, I, I'm not throwing that word around lightly. He is a great baseball player. Uh, he just hasn't been out there. And, and I, the, the, then the frustration is palpable and understandable. Yeah, and I thought the WBC would vault him to another level because I really thought that was good for him. And, and he's hit 400 in between, I'm sorry, he's hit 300 every year in between all those injuries. He keeps hitting, yeah. you know, when he's healthy. And speaking of 400, before we let you go, here's a column idea. Luisa Rise will be, well, not will be, could be the next 400 hitter. Without the shift, with those guys on the infield, do you think he can do it? Nope. All right. <laughs> Thought I'd give you a good one there. Because, I, I mean, watching him hit, that's, he's, he's amazing. Fun. He is absolutely it's amazing. I did, I did write about Luis Arise last year, and I will be happy to do it again. If he's still hitting 400 on June 1st, Jesse, uh, I go on vacation that week, and the last thing you'll read is me, me talking about Luis Arise. <laughs> awesome. Jeff, thanks for the time. You're on baseball tonight, tomorrow, I assume? Uh, I will be there. We'll be talking about the first month of the season, and I imagine – uh, both the Cubs and the White Sox will be uh, topics of conversation. Sounds good. Be tuning in. Thanks, pal. Appreciate it. See you, brother. All right. That's Jeff Passon from ESPN. Make sure you read his insider stuff at ESPN.com as well. We're late for a break. Bring your family to a White Sox game with a family pack presented by ExxonMobil. Starting at $19, you'll get one ticket, one hot dog, one drink, and one bag of chips to select games. For tickets, visit WhiteSox.com slash family. We've got the pregame show coming up at 530. Could this be the night? The White Sox break their losing streak. I, I think they have a great chance. And I would not have said that going into yesterday's game. Because when you bottom out, sometimes it takes a game to climb back up that mountain a little bit. They, I thought they had that yesterday. like They had that get-right game even though they lost. So I feel like they can get to the next level tonight. Maybe it's wishful thinking. We'll see. Jesse Rogers back with you on White Sox Weekly in a moment. Right here on the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. That's right. Every Saturday for two hours. Normally it's Connor McKnight in here, but he's got play-by-play duties. He'll be along in about a half an hour along with Darren Jackson. I'll have the official pregame show coming up in about 10 minutes. Sox fans, bring your dog out to the ballpark Tuesday, May 2nd for Dog Day, sponsored by Tito's Handmade Baca. Grab a space in the outfield and watch the Sox take on the Twins at 6.10 p.m. Limited availability to learn more and purchase your specialty ticket. Visit whitesox.com slash dog day. All right, final segment for me here, Jesse Rogers on White Sox Weekly. Again, next week, um, two hours more. Hopefully uh, there'll be a win in between White Sox Weekly shows. We didn't get one this time around. 
White Sox on a nine-game losing streak, coming to this one seven and twenty. Tampa Bay is twenty-two and five. Boy, they picked the wrong couple weeks to play some really bad baseball because Tampa Bay will not give you a break at all. The White Sox made one mistake in that game yesterday. Happened in the first inning. It led to a run for Tampa Bay, and Tampa Bay ends up winning three to two. Now it wasn't necessarily the winning run, but still, when it's a three-two game, you can't give away a run in the first inning. And that's what they did, a little miscue there. Elvis Andrews addressed that when he was on the show with me earlier. You also heard from Mark Gonzalez. You can uh, catch the entire podcast on the ESPN Chicago app if you want to hear more from White Sox Weekly. Uh, Two hours every week in season. 312-332-3776 is the number if you want to jump on. Final couple minutes here before I uh, get ready for the official pregame show. I think tonight's the night. I, I don't know why exactly, other than the fact that they got close yesterday. And I just feel like sometimes that's what it takes. You get close one day, and you um, get over the hump the next. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Thanks to uh, Brendan Riley, really appreciate it, and Charlie Bevins for producing week, uh, White Sox Weekly. They're back for the pregame show, as am I, in just a couple moments. Stay tuned. It's the Hard Rock White Sox Casino Network. Thanks for listening.